Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Belonging Mom podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Julie Frazier. Hi, Julie. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Thank you. Back at it this week. Life is up here where we live. Yes. Oh, you're back in the studio. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) So Julie is uh, what I've always called a foot doctor because I feel like I always struggle to say the word properly. (laughs) Um, A little bit, Julie, about your background and what it is you do. Well, I am a podiatrist. I am originally from Windsor, which is where I'm now living and practicing. Uh, After finishing undergrad here at the University of Windsor, I went to Chicago to study podiatry. Following that, I was in Philadelphia for my surgical training and my residency. And then I was in private practice uh, in Maryland, just outside D.C., uh, where I worked um, for roughly five years or so before coming back home. Uh, In Ontario, just due to some political red tape and logistics with the medical system here, I am Mm -hmm. practicing as a registered chiropodist. They kind of, there's a cap on the podiatry licensing and they haven't given out any licensing since 93. So despite my academics and training, um, that's what we function under, which from an office standpoint, uh, a lot of very like similarities. There's not, I don't feel like I'm limited with much in the office uh but obviously that hospital practice the surgical scope is markedly different so it's kind of nice because at this stage i can uh, have a little more of my time better controlled and can focus on sports medicine style i always say performing arts (laughs) medicine (laughs) because you know as as we'll get into I'm sure talking about dance at some point always comes up when I talk about medicine uh that was my sport and um you know my injuries and whatnot that kind of drew me to what I do now perfect that was my next question and I was gonna say that exactly that yes we both danced and I also just I'm fascinated by feet like I know some people find feet gross like they don't want to touch feet they don't want to look at feet and I have always loved feet whether it's from dance or you know then I went into obviously Pilates and Mm -hmm. yoga I mean modern dance in college was all in our bare feet (laughs) and yeah and you know and also as a dancer even just with point shoes or whatnot like you see your feet just get so torn apart and destroyed um so yes tell us that piece what drew you to this profession and i will say just another piece for anyone that has ever studied anatomy on any level um, or if you have not studied anatomy on any level learning the foot the structure the biomechanics the terminology is one of the hardest um i think the hardest actually part of the body in my opinion so hats off to you even more so because not only are you a doctor of any kind but I feel like this part of the body is amazing but challenging yes I would agree um you know when we talk just strictly anatomy we you know I think of always hands and feet as very similar intricacies and very delicate Mm -hmm. anatomy to deal with and then the obviously the lower extremities and feet outside of a lot of our gymnasts and acrobats like most of our weight bearing is done on our feet so it's just a whole different like you said biomechanical dynamic that is unique to that part of the body Um, Mm -hmm. but given that um, like you uh, and and not to the extent of your training and your your post-grad and your work uh, through post-grad dance and performance um, I grew up dancing and being a competitive dancer so it was you know my sport my passion my pastime my world and Mm -hmm. it was my goal to stay away from anything and anyone medical possible (laughs) right sometimes you know get an allegiance with a physiotherapist that might have you know done sports in their childhood and maybe had a bit more understanding but it was always really scary to get hurt and go to the doctor because I just I'm thinking of my family doctor growing up who I love to death and you know supports me so well in our community now but anytime something hurt he'd say okay you just gotta rest for like four to six weeks and if you yeah like you're like competition no. <laughs> or it's concert week or recital or just class that makes you know recreational dancers like class like that's it's such a it's such a joy to be able to have you know your artistic 
expression. Oh, in definitely. Your and especially as a child, yes, say outlet. Exactly. If that's your outlet as a child and a teen, yeah. you know, if that's something you're going to three, four times a week, exactly. not to mention like the dates, shows, mm-hmm. performances, and your friends, they're like your, your friends from different schools. You, it gives you a whole different community. And I don't know if that was just, I, I find the amount of different spaces I've lived in, I'm sure you can relate, um, you know, dancers, because I feel like there's so much expression and emotional component to it. Um, you know, all athletic teams, you're, you're making those bonds, but um, it, it, you, there's just this sense of community and like, you know, like a sisterhood if you're, if you don't have any oh, gentlemen on your and team, think, but it's, it's, yeah, a, it's and also. Family. Dancers are their own beast in the sense that they are definitely athletes, but they're also artists Mm -hmm. and also come from a more, you know, creative, artistic mind. Anyways, let's get back on the footpath. Yeah, so couldn't (laughs) agree with that more. But at that rate, so keeping away from medical people was kind of a big deal for me. And uh, when I was looking into um, what I wanted to do after doing my science degree at Windsor, uh, which begrudgingly I went that route because I had a sidelining injury in my grade 12 or OAC or whatever it was when we were wrapping up um, high school uh, and I couldn't Uh dance for over a year it was it was brutal it was it was Uh really difficult and you know I kind of felt like I was missing that and I was thinking Mm -hmm. of what what jobs could I do that I could maybe help this be better. And I was already kind of on a pre-med track and I was interested in some other specialties. And um, I came across, I was kind of directed towards a podiatrist, which I kind of knew what they were, but not really because I kind of tried to just stay away from all of the people with doctor and anything. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) I ended up meeting this um, podiatrist and she had also been a collegiate athlete and she had an interest in you know, treating those athletes and kind of working with those patients that were more motivated to keep better. We find that in Mm -hmm. medicine, you'll sometimes get certain groups of patients that they get hurt, whether it's at work. And if they're working a job they don't love, you know, they kind of are like, oh, can you just write me off work for a little bit? And, you know, they're they're patients that don't kind of have that same motivation to get better. And I really kind of took an interest to, wow, this would be really cool to have a job where I could help keep people in the game and on their toes. And that's Mm -hmm. when I kind of do outreach when I'm in a new space or a new community or meeting a new coach or a new um, dance crew, you know, I kind of take it with that approach. Like I'd like to let you know what I can offer to help keep you moving as much as possible. And, you know, keep you, yeah. Keep here's you how game. I can make you make you better and stronger, mm-hmm. and this is what I can teach you. I love that. That's awesome. Because a lot of times, you know, when people have an injury, if they're afraid to go get help, they either rest a little bit themselves, whether it's not enough, or they don't have the right support, or whether it's they're not taking enough of a break, or they're not modifying what they're doing, and then they go back and they get a re-injury, which could, you know, compound what they started with, or you know, have it even be a, a bigger uh, sidelining injury with a fracture or whatnot, which is not what we want. So if we can kind of catch them or even um, kind of help get them on the right rehab track with, you know, with Pilates or with a certain therapist or, you know, one of the things I really love about Pilates is you kind of can come, you know, combine that whole body to keep your whole body strong and supported. So something weak, down the kinetic chain isn't going to be, you know, responsible for the rest of the body. Because a lot of times yes. that's it. you've got, you've got your rest of your body and you can't just say, oh, I have really strong feet. So I'm going to be great at such and such. It's, it's, you know, it's about making sure the rest of your body is strong enough to help work complementary with your foot and your ankle. Yeah, definitely. The everything working in unison or vice versa. I have a really strong core, but I don't work standing things enough. And, you know, like everything has to be in sync. And yes, thank you for addressing that. You know, Pilates tries to look at the whole scope, the whole body. Like even when we're doing footwork on the reformer and we're placing the feet in different positions, like we stress that in teacher training and with clients, like I'm cueing the alignment of the foot ankle movement you know through the knee hip alignment etc like everything is being addressed not just 
you know, the bicep curl, if that's what we're doing <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And I wish that someone like you was around when, you know, we were young dancers. I feel like the answer for everything when we were young was stretch. Yeah. Stretch and, you know, and like, take some time off. Oh, okay. Yeah. You, you tore a hamstring, maybe ice it and go stretch it, yep. you know, stretch, 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 which <laughs> I know now is, you know, not the best way to rehab everything. Yes. So speaking of all these modalities that we've both experienced, I know you've been an avid yoga and uh, Pilates, you know, enthusiast yourself. Um, there's always this important stress on the barefoot, mm-hmm. you know, like in modern dance and yoga. I also did Nia for a period of time, which really stressed like rolling through the foot, articulating the foot, you know, moving the toes. So let's just discuss because there's, you know, a big debate out there about bare feet versus we'll say a supportive shoe, like speaking more athletic than say a high heel shoe or a dress shoe. So let's first talk about bare feet mm-hmm. and what you like about or don't like about walking no. or moving or exercising or being in a barefoot. Well, I'll tell you like when we kind of were mentioning some of the things we might be chatting about today I was like yes when people bring this up because I don't want to (laughs) tick anyone off but at the same time like I don't want to look like I'm straddling the fence literally because I actually really see benefits to both sides and oh me too yeah I think yeah yeah, you can totally argue both sides and I definitely agree so yeah we're not trying to pick a side we're just going to discuss the pros and cons of both because often I mean obviously most of my patients are coming in with shoes on <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and that's kind of, of like our normal for our, our Western lifestyle. Um, but you know, I do, I'll, I'll have some elite level runners. Like it's like they want to come in and debate it. And like, I just don't have time, but you know, usually I'm like, if that's what you feel is good, like you do you. And you know, if you have an injury that occurs and I'm like ticking in my block, we will probably have one. I, you know, when I have someone come in with an open mind about it, especially when we're talking about athletic training, um, uh-huh. I, I, I'm a little more receptive to the conversation, but sometimes people just want to come in and they just want to really push that like barefoot minimalism, the vibram toe shoe, right. which they're really cool and they feel kind of neat on your feet. But I yeah, the ninja turtle yeah. looking shoes are very cool too. I personally <laughs> feel like for myself, I'm just going to interject yeah. so you don't feel like you're choosing sides. I love being in my bare feet and I can argue articulating and strengthening yes. bare feet till the end of time. If I tried to run outside on the concrete in my bare feet, I think I crying. would die. I'd be crying. I think like, and not only that, but I think I would feel it in my back. Oh, for sure. And like for me, it's also a not just the foot, but like what the impact is doing to the rest of your spine. So that being said, (laughs) continue on with, so running outside, for example, um, yeah, like these, the toe separating shoes. I know I'm not saying the right name for them, but I I don't, I don't even know the company to be honest, but, um, I, I find I really enjoyed discussing it more when I would get moms coming in with little babies and they're worried right. about how their baby's looking. Their foot looks like they're really rolling in. And should I put them in shoes or put them not in shoes? And I, I think right. because I'm mm-hmm. literally looking at walking development daily for the past, I'd say, I don't know, maybe maybe six months or so, Rocco's been walking. Um, it's really kind yeah. of neat because it, I kind of just reaffirmed to myself, no, I actually fully support both because babies, when you spend the first X amount of months on your back and rolling around and just trying to get your torso and your, your kind of your core arranged when you're starting to walk they need that time to kind of you know I love um when moms will say yep toes out for traction and it's totally true because they need to kind of feel their surfaces they need to start learning how those intrinsics and those tiny little muscles in their footwork because their your feet do have so many smaller muscles that need attention and I mean anyone who does barefoot things especially dance you know when you stop dancing for a little bit you can really feel it when you go back how tired your feet feel and how torched they feel I feel like that was a word we used oh, to definitely. use definitely and you know you feel it and even just in your hands too it's the same kind of thing but um and just crawling as an adult like if you crawl in your bare feet and feel how much your toes are going to help you yeah. or even say lifting from a you know a quadruped four point crawling position mm-hmm. into a downward dog like doing that in bare feet versus a running shoe yeah. are two very different things yes yeah but at the same time when i watch little ones walk and moms are like they're tripping mm-hmm. and they're falling and sometimes 
for confidence building for little ones and toddlers and babies, uh, they need that stability of a bit more of a broader shoe base with a little bit more ankle mm-hmm. support. You know, for example, my little guy, he's he really pronates a lot, but it's kind of normal for his age group right now. So it's not really a lot on the pediatric podiatry side of things. But compared right. to an adult who is walking like that, of course, he's tripping and falling. And of course, he's sway backing because that's kind of what your body's doing. So I let him have shoe time in the house when and he definitely bolts around a lot faster. But it's kind of helping build his confidence and helping him build his bigger muscles up the kinetic chain. And then we're a big he loves being barefoot, no socks in inside outside you know um so i i do like yeah. that balance of both so usually when i try to explain that to um adults when they want to talk about training and add um you know elite level running even as an association my podiatry association we it's it's always come up as round table discussions and it's always really interesting right. when we have because there's a lot of marathoners that are actually in the profession and they'll do it but we as a whole, I feel like in general, podiatry usually discusses things with regards to your amount of time training. They say it should kind of compose 10% or less. Um, but for those exact okay. things of, of strengthening those foot muscles, of getting a little bit more um, feel for your ground, toes out for traction, and also doing it on a safe surface. Um, puncture right. wounds are not really a fun thing to have. And it's definitely going to sideline you from something. So you need to make sure your environment's safe. Um, But a lot of uh, runners that I take care of around here that like run for the university or are just, you know, uh, avid marathoners, they'll often find, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a safe spot that they kind of peruse the grass first and they'll do some training on the grass, whether it's like short interval training in short spaces. So they're not having to like, you know, scan a giant field. But I think that's kind of a good way to approach it. And, um, you know, we, I usually recommend if, if you're wanting to run because you think it's going to make you faster, I was like, let's try and look up some people who've set world records in barefoot. And usually they're like, Oh yeah, I never thought about it that way. Cause trying to find out what's the motivation of why you want to run barefoot. That's usually my interest. Right. Cause I feel like, like you said, yeah. that's going to hurt. My feet are pretty tender. My skin's tender. I'm always in a shoe or a Burke or something around the house. I just, I have a lot of hard surfaces and there's not a lot of forgiveness on stone, concrete tile. So, you know, it causes other yes. issues. So, um, you know, I usually try to find out the motivation and then figure it out. Um, because especially footwork on a reformer, working with uh, certain um, intrinsic and extrinsic muscular strengthening exercises, I can usually give them things that would be a lot faster and safer. And their foot's probably going to get mm-hmm. stronger a lot quicker than just trying to run outside and then them maybe getting, you know, up the chain issues at uh, their yeah, knee like and their I- hip and their back. So they can kind of focus. Mm-hmm. If you want to yeah, focus on your foot, let's focus on your foot. So. Um, that's kind of my yeah no and I love the comparison (laughs) yeah no I love the comparison to you know a baby starting out and back to the athlete yeah that's very interesting um let's talk the other extreme like say an older client um and someone that's maybe always worked in a profession I find that some people um they lose all ability to kind of have movement. You know, if their foot has always been kind of trapped in this work shoe and now they're an aging senior and they're still just in kind of big running shoes, they never really move the foot or articulate the foot. What would be some, you know, cons of that opposite extreme? Oh, you mean always being locked up, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. And like now an aging person that you know, just literally has no concept of foot articulation or movement at all. Well, one of, I mean, I see it earlier now. I think I've just started recognizing it. Coming back home to Windsor, as as you know, we've got a lot of um, industrial and uh, manufacturing in our city. And Mm -hmm. I didn't have that in where the cities I used to live in, but I see it now, probably I'll see it in like late forties, early fifties, kind of just nondescript pain. And when I ask these patients, like, how long are you in a shoe? What are you wearing at work? You know, most places in manufacturing, they have to be in a steel toe. So when you say locked right. up, I really think of something like that. Um, I also think of mm-hmm. the lawyer who's in one of those super hard leather, upper, stiff sole, Oxford, yes. kind of a little pointy. And they just, that's what they're in. And like for 12, 12 hours, hours for, yeah, for 40 
years, more or less, you know. As much as I love to see people on a regular basis, I sometimes just want to say, okay, so when you go home, just take your shoe off. And I usually give them a couple of things to do. Um, That little thing that you introduced me to, that half ball, it looks like a BOSU ball, but it's like cute and manly. Oh, yeah, the little... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a little yeah, foot wakers. Yeah, it looks like a little baby Bosu with little nibs on it. Yeah, oh, I cool. love it. And I recommend them always like, find one of these. I go, give your foot a little massage. I go, your foot literally has been yeah. locked up all day. I go, move it. I go, of course your foot's hurting. Like, imagine if you're, you know, those even laying in bed, if you're a sound sleeper and you kind of stay in the same position all night, when you, when I get up, because I kind of stay still, like, I feel like the Tin mm-hmm. Man and my back is killing me and I just need to get up and stretch and move. And, you know, that's probably about, yeah. six to eight hours so a 10 to 12 hour shift locked up in a shoe or a long work day at the office you know you do need to move in mm-hmm. um, you know getting on going from not moving a lot and then jumping on a treadmill and wanting to pound out or jumping on that peloton and wanting to like just ride for an hour and a half but you haven't kind of started at your foundation and let your foot move a lot of patients will come in and they're like well, I wasn't really doing a lot of stuff like why is my foot hurt all of a sudden when I was like working my quads and my hands well they probably stretch those areas first a lot of people just don't kind of stretch and strengthen their foot so I think that not lose I feel like the more when you when you stop moving you start dying (laughs) seems a little aggressive to say but I kind (laughs) of do when when you stop moving like things aren't good Um, our senior patients that are in rehab um they, I forget what it was. I was talking to a physio one time and the numbers were pretty staggering. Something like for every uh, day you spend in bed without any exercise or movement, you need five to seven days to recover that after once you're kind of in that oh, post wow. 70 year old age. So, you know, when you kind that of that much muscle atrophy yeah, and loss, and yeah. you know, in an older aging body, but when you take certain body parts and you just don't really pay attention and move them, it, it's, it's no wonder that things stiffen up and get sore and tired. So I, I do, I think that it's really important to, you know, unlock your daily uniform and get things moving when you go home, even just to give yourself a, a nice stretch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I love the saying, if you don't use it, you're going to lose Absolutely, it. Absolutely, 100%. You know, if you don't get up and move your body. And for all the foot stuff, yeah, I do love all my little toys, those little foot wakers. Those were from um, Yamana Body Rolling, mm-hmm. just to address them, because I do yeah. love them. And I have tons of little balls. Like, I know um, I mentioned, too, the little melts method set and so many awesome little tools now out there. You can shoppers has a yeah. little set, too, with different little rollers and things to buy. So there seems to be more awareness around mm-hmm. just taking care of the foot in general and kind of, you know, paying it a little attention. One of your other guests you, you two were talking about, I was listening to it, and I, I really loved that it was addressed because everyone is very anyone who's in you know rehab and recovery it's like the lacrosse ball and you guys were talking about sometimes softer works really really well and I really agree with that yeah different body parts because Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes it's giving you some stretch but it's also letting you kind of engage some of your musculature around that too and I just I was really glad that you guys were talking about that I think it's important oh cool good yeah and it's um it's less is more you know, it's also your body's not going to go exactly. and kind of go into the state of like more tension. It might actually enjoy it. And then if you're breathing, mm-hmm. you know, everything, nervous system will settle. And okay, one more question about shoe mm-hmm. things. I no apologize. Worries. So <laughs> heels. Now let's talk about like the torturous woman's high heel. Yes versus though like the pros I've learned with age and being someone that was always like bare feet is best and now having my own foot injury and just my own foot issues and needing orthotics and shoes and I've learned that a bit of a heel is beneficial agree so tell us about that like you know the torturous high heel versus you know the benefit of a little heel well I I always feel like depending on your amount of time you need to spend in something, I can tell you how to do that reasonably comfortably. <laughs> whether that, okay. whether that involves some emotion Teach us. Or, or your styling of shoe. Yeah. Um, some spray numbing before. You no, wait, that actually exists. <laughs> it's called Stiletto RX. One of my like mentors in Manhattan, she has this 
line of just fabulous stuff and it's like a spray lidocaine but you know you can put that on and literally oh like, my god gives you a bit of numbing more for, so for those pinchy things in your toes which is kind of brilliant and i have used it in the past but you know when you're looking at the styling of the heel um I'm not going to lie. You open my shoe closet. There are stilettos in there, but those are my, um, I call them the trophy wife shoes where I really don't need to be doing a lot of socializing. (laughs) I'm probably going to sit at the table and sip on a glass of wine and look around and see what's going on. Maybe stand for a short period of time, but I, I don't really do a lot of like, I don't really want to do a lot of walking in those. And I feel like as previous dancers, we kind of get like, an inside cheat move where we've learned to be walking on our toes and you don't want your tappy heels to hit the ground unless you're making noise on purpose. Um, so I feel like right. even just that um, method of walking and putting a little more forefoot pressure and, and not trying to like balance on a pin shaped stiletto um, makes, makes the right. walking a little easier. But with that, I'm a big fan of anything with a little platform because it's going to help give you a bit of shock absorption in the forefoot and anything. Definitely. And you still get the yes, illusion of the sure. height, but it's not so drastic on your foot. Yeah, and yep. I try to explain that to patients too. I said, you can have a half inch to a quarter of an inch of a forefoot platform wedge and you can have a two inch heel because your heel height difference is one inch or an inch and a half, or you can, you know, when you look at the heel height differential, it's like, oh, it's not really that high. That's why it's kind of a little more comfortable. If you ever. Exactly. At, like, there's, I have a, these great pair of booties and I'll shout out Sorel cause they make these comfy wedgy soft and super stylish boots, but they've got such a chunky sole and forefoot with good shock absorption and the hidden wedgie, like it, it's maybe an inch and a half, but I mean, you've got that, like you said, that illusion of a higher heel. So it's it's kind of fun to it shoe is. shop it's, when you're like, oh, that one's actually going to feel pretty good. <laughs> it is. It's a world of difference. And I also have, you know, the shoes that I'll probably never get rid of because they're just so fun and pretty. But I don't think that like I could, I don't think they'll leave my yeah. bedroom. <laughs> you know, like I don't think it's like that feeling of daggers through the ball uh-huh. of my foot like two hours in, you know. Um, okay, tell our listeners about the benefits of a small heel. So with a small heel, when we look at the foot in general, um, you know, we the main thing when I when someone comes into my office and they say, Oh, I'm flat footed. Well, most people when they're sitting and their foot is kind of, you know, straight out in front of them and their legs extended, you'll kind of see how that non-weight bearing medial arches or the inside of your foot uh so is that flat is that kind of within normal range is it really really high and then when you take that foot and you step down in your normal stance not in um you know our pilates listeners will uh, relate to the term in in their neutral position where where we'd ideally like to have your foot <laughs> right. um, your arch is usually a bit higher because naturally when you stand most people right. do pronate um, to some extent whether it's excessive or within the normal range so when we put you in a little bit of a heel or a little bit of a wedge we kind of force your foot into that bit more of an arched position where it's going to put you a little more in a supinated alignment which is usually closer to your neutral setting so getting you kind of back to that neutral setting um is ideal like with anything when we try to posture whether it's on the mat or on the reformer or in real life um to get to that more neutral position so we kind of function um in our ideal position that's going to cause the least amount of abnormal wear and tear so i always recommend even ballet flats have been such a huge fad for a while but um there's these cute little ballet flats with a little tiny wedge heel, or sometimes I'll even recommend find one of those little silicone heel lifters that even gives you a, you know, quarter of an inch lift just to give you a bit of, a bit of lift pull. Yeah. Like the inside inside the shoe, a little, Um, yes. Because Mm -hmm. especially if you're in even a running shoe a lot, or if you're in a heel a lot and you go into barefoot, or if you're not a barefoot person much at all, going really, really flat to the ground, you're going to get a ton of pull on, especially your Achilles and that can just start a whole ball of irritation down in the back of the heel with the two bursa that are back in there. It can start causing pulling up 
um, and the Achilles more closer to the muscle belly itself back in that calf muscle area and it can just be not as supportive to the arch if your foot does have that tendency to excessively pronate. So that little bit of a wedge heel and a little bit of a differential is usually a bit more comfortable and um, just keeps some of the tension off of um, your Achilles which helps you typically function through your gait cycle a bit more ideally. Yes. No, everything you said, I feel like is like, so my body too. Like I'm at the point where like wearing just flip flops in the summer is like, if I'm, you know, trying to get very far from point A to point B, like I can't just be in that flat, flat surface, you know, like I need like an old lady strapped on sandal with like a little bit of a wedge to it to not be in pain. Um, Awesome. No, and I love what you said too about just getting the foot like, you know, in its most stress free state as well so that it can function and not feel like it has all this strain, which is very, very similar to Pilates and what we talk about in most of our starting positions, you know, is adapting the person's body so that they're starting tension free comfortable and then going into a smoother movement pattern instead of fighting and gripping yeah i agree it. and i think that's one of the things that i love about pilates so much is it especially after having gone through um boatloads of anatomy and biomechanics classes years and years of training uh being able to appreciate neutral position and wanting to exercise in neutral position um you know, we, we look at some of these really ballistic uh, fads such as like CrossFit or like power interval training and like crazy Mm -hmm. spin classes. And they're amazing for endurance and those adrenaline junkies, but you know, cross training with something like a yoga or a Pilates, that's going to kind of reset those body positions. Let us get that stretch back to our, to our strength um, and kind of give that more isometric kind of strengthening that you know, especially Pilates offers when you're on something like the reformer and you've got, you've got some resistance besides gravity in your body on the mat. It's, it's really nice to have that slower mm-hmm. controlled um, conditioning. And I think it's, it's such a benefit that's, um, you know, that needs to be a big fad <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> I would love that to be a big fad. Um, talk to me a little bit about gait and, you know, how you, how important you think that is coming from the perspective of the foot when it comes to, you know, someone like myself, like a Pilates instructor, I've taken gait analysis workshops where we really break down the pattern of that heel to toe strike and how the foot rolls. And you like, how much do you think that should be looked at in the fitness world? Like, and, or do you think it's maybe lacking? overall in the health fitness industry? Well, I think that it's important. I think that there are a lot of um, people that may try to do gait analysis and um, it gets confused with just walking across a force plate and which, I mean, that has its place. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I have one in my office, but I use it for Mm -hmm. the limitations it's, it's going to give me. Uh, It gives me where my high points of pressure are. It gives me where, where through mid stance, which is, you know, we kind of break down some of your simple parts of the gait cycles into your heel strike. Um, you know, there's a couple things through there, your mid stance on your standing leg, your swing phase on your um, airborne leg, so to speak. And then your um, your rolling through, which we would, you know, refer to as articulating through your foot and then toe off. So when you're in that mid stance, yes. uh, if you're spending a lot of time on the outer or the lateral side of your foot, those force plates can kind of uh, give you some indication towards that. So having that in, you know, physio office, uh, chiro office, podiatry, chiropathy office, um, any other type of sports or wellness clinic, they give you some information, but they, they're not telling you everything. I think that um, a biomechanically trained clinician who is going to kind of squat down on the floor or stand behind you, I have the luxury of having, we call it the runway in our office. We've got a long space where I can watch mm-hmm. that patient walk <laughs> three and four laps. And, you know, also we've done it before with um, treadmills. I just find treadmills, people walk a little differently on a treadmill because they feel like they're performing. Um, so it's kind yes. of neat if I want to analyze someone running and kind of check out their uh, their gait at a higher cadence. But just the average Joe walking uh, and me trying to figure out like what's going on, I can appreciate not from a force plate if somebody's spending a lot of time on one side 
I, if I only look at that and I'm not kind of squatting and watching their knees, their hips, how is their pelvic girdle looking through mid stance? Are they tilted one way? Do they have a limb length discrepancy? I may not appreciate that by just reading a force plate report and not actually putting eyes on the patient and, you know, that tipping me off to like, Hey, we need to measure here. Mm -hmm. Or this makes sense now that you have fasciitis on one side and you've got hip pain on the other side. So I think that being able to put that picture together and then, you know, having, you know, rehab therapists like yourself that can focus on, okay, we need to strengthen this side of their back instead of going to the gym and, you know, Molly at the gym just says, oh yeah, we do equal reps on each side all the time. Go. And you have somebody that you can kind of explain right. anatomically what's going on. Say, look, they've got a limb length. They're really been pulling a lot. They're, they need more strengthening on this side, stretching on that side. So I just feel like it has a big role in mm-hmm. rehabbing the rest of the body, but and having those people on your team that understand the lingo and kind of will not be in those you know, those, those things of equal reps, every side, 10 repetitions, go, you got to be out of breath, then you're done, have some water, get a protein shake, see you next week. Um, I always felt like when, <laughs> right. when I were doing Pilates, I'm like, man, how am I so tired? You just did like four things with me. Like I did like four reps. Like I was falling into that, <laughs> you know, that classical fitness mentality, you know, cause we'd be on the reformer and we wouldn't be doing a ton of reps, but I would feel it you know, and you would get it and I wouldn't need to be dying, but I was really feeling it. And I always felt good when I left, but I didn't feel like, Oh my God, she just killed me. Like, you know, I, I feel good, which I think is yeah, you should feel good when you're done working out and you should, you want to feel proud of yourself. You don't want to feel like you got beat up. <laughs> well, it's yeah. And I feel like it's something I used to explain to clients, but almost in like an apologetic way, you know, like you're not going to feel like you do after lifting weights, you know, like you're, it should feel like yeah. you've gotten a massage. Really um, but I feel like, yeah. And I feel like with age myself, like, yeah, like I don't want to feel beat up, you know, like I don't want to feel like I can't get off the toilet or bend over and happens. brush my teeth because <laughs> I'm so sore from, and that's wonderful. If that's what you love, go get it. I'm just saying for myself, and I know a lot of the population, that's not their desire to feel that way, but it doesn't mean that you can't exercise and move your whole body and incorporate the entire body and also trying to move in every single plane. And I think another big difference with Pilates, um, Mm-hmm. is moving the spine because quite often in those traditional fitness movements, there's not a lot of spinal movement. There's a lot of hip, leg, you know, knee, ankle, foot joint movement, arm movements, but the spine is kind of not changing or it's a whole only lot, at, like, you know, spot in the spine. I feel like they'll let you rotate at your waist and then they don't want any like, you know, snaky mobility and like, you know, incorporating your, your breathing and, and kind of letting your torso move. It's a very athletic stance a little bit of a bend and like move your appendages everywhere around the axial skeleton. It's very stiff. And I think, you know, that kind of translates when people walk, they'll, they'll be very strong with their arms and their legs, but they're, you know, they're sway backing because they have not toned their core and they're getting low back because they're constantly sway backing and they're. Right. Or no one's ever pointed out their alignment to them. You know, and they're just loading more weight. My gyrotonic instructor, one of them that I had in Toronto, gave the image of after we had had our legs swinging and kicking in the big uh, pulley tower system that when you get up and walk, you know, you want to feel that stability and lift around your pelvis and your legs should feel like like two buckets mm-hmm. of water, like swinging. You know, but this image of the whole body still feeling integrated and connected, but like loose and free, yeah. you know, at the Agreed. same time. And I feel like, um, um, you know, uh, sorry, just to elaborate a bit on just the importance of like your torso and your, your around your whole pelvic girdle. I feel like when people aren't toned around there, they're not m- moving as efficiently because like when we're talking about that neutral position, when your body's not in that neutral position, your legs are doing a lot of compensating for everything else and your foot and ankles are doing compensating at their level. And everybody's body is quite smart. So it compensates typically, but it may compensate at a different level. And, you know, a lot of times you'll be at 
a chiro appointment and maybe it's something that's downstream or they'll come into me and they're complaining about their heel and I'm like yeah we need to get you over to this guy because you actually need to focus on up here and here and you've got stuff going on in your lower back and I can treat you a million times, but I'm not going to get you there. Right. And then, you know, get you on a program where you're kind of getting your, your whole body back in shape rather than just that piece of anatomy that I'm taking care of. So we try to, you know, look at the whole body. So if that gets me back to the, to the gate part, it's well, and that's, that's looking at the foot in gate is one thing, looking at the whole body in gate and in those different planes of motion. When I write a gate analysis for an insurance company, I'm always con- uh, commenting on, you know, transverse plane, frontal plane, sagittal plane. I'm not just talking about, oh, they walk like this and everything looks good and they pronate a bit. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> you know, you need to right. kind of make yeah. those comments. <laughs> so you are looking at the whole body. Yeah, definitely. And brilliant of you and props to you that you will involve other professionals, you know, that you can look at the body as the foot specialist, but say, hey, you actually need to focus on your pelvis or your spine or, you know, that it's the problem might not just be fixed by you focusing only on that right heel kind of thing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, let's talk a little bit about, you know, trying to create flexibility versus joint structure and just like you're you know you got what you were born with kind of thing so I'm bringing this up a little bit because I feel like with my own body I've always felt like I'm quote unquote so tight around my ankle joint and now I am tight in that area but even as a young flexible child I always had a very um, shallow demi plie so how much flexibility or change do you think can be created in a joint like the ankle foot for example um you know versus just like this is your joint structure and there's not a whole lot well I think that's a really good question and one of the things that I do in my practice which is one of my favorite things to do I work with a couple different studios um specifically but um I'm kind of the uh, I get to be the bad guy at the dance studio because I'll go into the pre-point class and two times a year we'll go in and do our pre-point assessments with our um, point readiness classes. And the couple of tests I do right off the bat address just that issue. My first one, it's called the pencil test. And basically um, I have the kids okay. sit on the floor and um, they're all sitting as tall and as beautiful as they can. And I was like, well, it doesn't really matter how tall you're sitting. If you don't have that range at your ankle that you can't get your little body on top of that toe box we can't fix that (laughs) so um there are some dreams we have to bust unfortunately um but you know it's if it's something that it's kind of like right on the edge and on a border and i can't kind of feel it so much with my hands when we look at the quality versus the quantity of the range of motion we may be looking at say dorsiflexion at the ankle and if i'm trying to get to um 10 degrees of dorsiflexion, but I'm only getting to one to two, maybe I'm just getting the foot at zero, which means they're doing a ton of compensating to get through their normal gait cycle. I kind of feel for that end range of motion. Okay. If I'm at that end range of motion and it feels like a, like a bony block. Like it feels like there's an, like an obstruction. Typically that's an anatomical thing. Mm-hmm. Next from there, I'll want to look at an x-ray and see do we have something here do we have um like a bony block shaped talus do we have a flat top talus where we don't have that nice curve in the um top part of that bone between the body of the talus into the head of the Mm -hmm. talus do we have like not a nice softness to the neck is it more rigid which could have come from an old injury could have just come from the anatomy that they were born with could have come from um you know positioning in utero and development but if we don't have that, then we look right. at where are we, are we tight in the back or are we just weak in our, our, weak in our pull? Like, do we not have enough strength here? So we kind of find out where is the issue, what's the quality of the issue, and do we need to investigate further? So that's kind of how I do it. I do quality. I, I measure my quantity. And if we have a quantity issue, I feel for my quality. And then we do um, more imaging studies to kind of be able to physically visualize those um, joint surfaces and uh, joint 
morphologies to see if it's a possibility to get more range of motion out of it. Yeah, and what can be done. And I love that you said strength, because that was my next question, like the flexibility, you know, stretching piece versus more so, uh, you know, the strengthening exercises, or like, are they different at the foot? You know, like, would you prescribe holding an isometric stretch and or or let's say versus doing like a concentric eccentric I like a lot of the concentric eccentric stretching only because I feel like one of the biggest issues in foot biomechanics we have a whole level of like let's just mention something quickly that's easily that where I think about it most frequently is for a hammer toe for example Um, you think of when you've got your toes Mm -hmm. out for traction and if you're uh, an elderly patient and you may have balance issues uh, your lesser digits two through five really can do a lot of gripping just to help you stay balanced in a barefoot Mm -hmm. Um, whether you're in a barefoot or in a shoe when you're in a shoe and then you're gripping, gripping, gripping and getting all that rubbing on the top of the toes, we start to see more dermal changes in those issues. So um, we qualify that deformity. Is that coming from a flexor stabilization? Like where we're trying to stabilize our foot on the floor? Is it coming from a musculature imbalance? And that that's when right. taking the patient to the floor and having them walk the runway and watching what are those toes doing in mid stance? Are they gripping the floor to stabilize or are they in swing phase? Are they cranked up because they've got really strong extensors and kind of weaker flexors? Like it kind of helps dictate how are we going to deal with this for treatment? How can we deal with this for reducing progression of this deformity if it's still flexible? So I think that, um, having a knot in a muscle and just feeling like you need to work on stretching that out and ignoring that contralateral side of the body um, and not focusing on the strengthening mm-hmm. of it. Maybe the anterior part of your leg versus just the stretching the posterior part, you, you can really do a disservice to the patient by, like you said, in the, what we were told, don't oh, just go home and stretch. You may need to work on strengthening a quad. If you keep pulling a hamstring, like maybe you need to be able to balance better or something, you're missing something in your, in your training and conditioning. So I I definitely am not a just stretch only kind of a a practitioner. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Yeah. And I have to say like a few exercises and for anyone that follows my Instagram, I've done a few posts on the journey (laughs) of my sprained foot and the exercises that Julie gave me. Um, And it's funny because like I've given foot exercises and I've used the wakers and I guess more so tried to like release fascia and tightness, but there's like two or three exercises you gave me and I could not believe how challenging they were. (laughs) They hurt. Like insane. I remember when you said you're like, you're going to feel the burn up your legs. And I was kind of like, yeah, okay. feel a burn but it did like killing me and then the other the one exercise trying to like articulate through plantar flexion articulate isolate isolate the big toe like could not do that I feel like that is still the hardest exercise and and I have to sit and concentrate and focus so much and like use the force and stare at my big toe and it usually takes me like the fourth try I can usually do it properly um, well you know we were everyone was getting very creative with the COVID and shutdowns and pandemics and um, you know a lot of our athletes of any nature but especially our dancers like uh, our elite level dancers that want these nice strong beautifully pointed feet they were like what are we gonna do we're not like on the floor Mm -hmm. we don't have enough time and we kind (laughs) of came up with um, this one of the studios was like can we go through a thing about like preventing foot injuries and like working on some strengthening so we kind of just wrangled up like my top 10 favorite ones and I was running it through like I'd be running oh, cool. a class. I'm like, oh, how long will it take me to do these? If I do 10, can we like whip this out in 30, 35 minutes or so? So we, d- we did. And I was kind of practicing with right. one of my um, co-op students and we were kind of doing it back and forth. And she's a dancer currently competitive dancer elite level so you know her feet should have been okay. like, warmed up and ready to rock and uh, you know they were and stronger than mine at the moment but um my feet were like I couldn't believe how much more comfortable it was because you know I was stroller walking my brains out in that nice weather because I was home and just from doing those strengthening yeah. exercises we did them for five days because I, I really wanted to see how I was going to feel as a not somebody who's using my foot like a, a, a 
active dancer would be, for example, or a gymnast, um, how, how much stronger would my feet feel right. at the end of five days of doing it consistently? And I, consistently for me, for my home time, I was doing it once a day, the 10 exercises once a day. And I couldn't believe, like, I felt like I was even walking a little more efficiently, walking a little quicker. Like, I just felt stronger in my propulsion, um, which is important because that's for those um, athletes, so to speak, they want to be able to spring up on their demi or spring up on their toe box really nice and easily. So we were, I was really feeling yes. the benefits of doing the intrinsics and the extrinsic muscles um, involved in uh, the foot and ankle. So we really were surprised at how many dancers were like, oh my God, I thought I had strong feet and like that was killing me. <laughs> or they kind of laugh when they say, like you said with Pilates, you almost oh, like yes. you're, you're like, okay, you're only probably going to get to five, but it's going to hurt. And they're like, whatever. And then they're like at three and I can see them struggling. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I told you. <laughs> it's not that easy, but having a goal to get. Well, to yeah. Five, and yes. also wanting to do it correctly. Yeah. Um, no, I have to say the exercises have been so key. And as soon as like my foot, I feel is, is still healing. I wouldn't say it's like totally back to normal hundred percent, but if it is sore, if I sit down at night and do those exercises, it also alleviates the pain, you know? So it's, it's, I can feel that it's not only strengthening it, but my body's kind of telling me when I need to do them almost at this point. (laughs) So people do your exercises when your therapist or your Pilates instructor gives you homework, do the homework. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Okay. Dr. Julie, um, give us any what's your one tip for let's say foot health or a healthy functioning foot do you have one tip you'd like hmm, to share with us one tip you know what I, I think it might just be as basic as check your feet uh for a couple of reasons it, of different ages as for mommies when you're little ones um, shockingly, <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of little ones are pretty resilient and they don't complain or fuss too, too much, but, you know, making sure they're looking at their feet, looking for little freckles, moles on their skin, um, watching how they're walking. Um, does it look like they're getting stronger? Do they look like they might need a little shoe time? Um, you know, those younger, younger kids to adolescents, like check their skin stuff. Do they have an ingrown? Do they have something that they need done? Check your own feet. Are are your feet hurting because you're not paying attention to them because you're locked up in a shoe or a safety boot like we talked about? And, you know, then your your elderly family members, do they mm-hmm. have something going on? Are they diabetic? Do they have their sensation? So that basic tip of just, you know, give yourself a minute and check your feet, top and bottom, and just how you're musculature is feeling um you know and kind of get the help you need if you need it and yeah that's kind of it just check your feet it's an it's unfortunately we uh an ignored part of your body sometimes (laughs) when it's not part of your your sport or your day yeah i agree it's like we don't give it enough attention i love that it's been great talking to you and thank you so much for my own um healing and recovery and let our listeners know how to find you if you want to give the name of your website or where to find you on social media always say the beast of social media i hate social media I'm learning to I'm learning to like it. I might date it for a little <laughs> bit, but not my biggest fan. We're actually in process of uh, working on a new website, but we're on Instagram, which is probably your easiest way. We're on Facebook as well, Walkerville Wellness. Um, if you search in my name too, Julie Fraser, usually it will come up. But um, yeah, we uh, Instagram's probably our easiest for following, and we post some gross videos and intriguing stuff and little pointers and baby feet that was t- this morning on my day off was cute little toes so yeah <laughs> yeah I love the baby feet well thank thanks, you so Mary. much Dr. Julie thanks for coming on and chatting thanks for listening everyone